You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Blue Sky Missions. Whether you're an individual seeking to go on a missions trip or a church leader wanting to take your group, Blue Sky can make it happen. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back to Theology for the Rest of Us. Glad you are listening today. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from beautiful Orlando, Florida. Today, I'm going to answer the question, who is Satan? I think it's a valuable question, and it's worth discussing. People ask, who is Satan? Where did he come from? First and foremost, let's make it very clear. Satan is not on the same equal level as God. Sometimes some people believe that God is kind of the cosmic good, devil, Satan is the cosmic bad, and that they're kind of equal and they're fighting it out, and that maybe God will just win it slightly at the end. Like That's not how it is, all right? Let's make it clear. God created everything. He's big. He's strong. He's awesome. Satan, on the other hand, is a created being. He's actually an angel created by God. And if God wanted, God could wipe him out in the blink of an eye. God could kill all of the angels if he wanted to with zero effort. You could have them all eradicated instantly. So let's make it very clear. Satan, as being only an angel, doesn't even come close to being on God's playing field. He's not equal to God. Also, Satan is not omnipresent like God is. Like God can be everywhere at once. He's omnipresent. Satan is not omnipresent. He can only be at one place at one time. Also, Satan is not all-knowing. All right? He doesn't know every single thing the way God does. He may know a lot, and because he lives in the spiritual realm, he can see planet Earth. He can see the physical realm in which we live. So he probably knows a lot more than we do, obviously, in a lot of ways. But ultimately, he doesn't know everything. He can't read your mind. He's not all-knowing. He can't discern what's going on in your head. He's not like God in any of those ways. Okay, so where did Satan come from? He's an angel created by God. But there's a couple things you want to know about that. It seems like, obviously, there's a lot of angels. The Bible doesn't tell us how many angels, but I don't know. Maybe there's hundreds of thousands of them. Maybe there's millions. I don't really know. There's a lot of them, though, it seems like. And it seems like there's a hierarchy. The Bible, again, doesn't give us a lot of clarity on angels, if I'm honest. It gives us some insights. But there does definitely seem to be a hierarchy where certain angels were kind of over other angels. And they had kind of more power, more responsibility than than other angels. It, it, It appears to be that way in Scripture. And it does appear that Satan, when he was an angel in heaven, was indeed one of the chief angels over other angels and that he had some major responsibilities in heaven. Those responsibilities, of course, would have been given to him by God. Now, before he was called Satan, his name was actually Lucifer. The word Lucifer is a Hebrew word that refers to someone who is shining. It literally means light bearer or shining one. Uh, In fact, the prophet Ezekiel, when he's talking about Lucifer in Ezekiel 28, he refers to him having these precious gemstones. Uh, and so there, there's a sense that Lucifer was beautiful and shiny and radiant in some way or another. And again, exactly why this was or how God created this, the scripture does not give us any clarity. So maybe when we get to heaven one day, we'll learn all of that. Um, so Satan had a lot of responsibilities. 
There are a lot of people that believe that Satan was the worship leader, so to speak, in heaven, that he was responsible for music. That comes from Ezekiel 28, 13, and refers to him using instruments. And we do know that the Bible makes it clear that the angels are on a regular basis, you know, singing and worshiping to God. As we look at the book of Revelation and different portions of the Old Testament, we get the sense that the angels are constantly worshiping God and singing to him. And so maybe it seems like maybe Lucifer had some responsibility in leading the other angels and singing to God. Again, that's kind of speculation. We're not 100% sure that's actually true, but a lot of people believe that, so it's at least worth noting. Now, Lucifer was one of the top angels in heaven. He was very powerful, had a lot of responsibilities, and then he got very prideful. He begins to think that he is better than God or that he can achieve God's throne. And both the prophet Ezekiel and the prophet Isaiah tell us about Lucifer's desire to usurp God, to overthrow God and to sit on the throne. Lucifer wages war against God and he must have been a really great salesman because somehow he was able to get a third of the angels to rebel against God with him. So Satan and a third of the angels wage war against God. They obviously lose and they end up getting themselves kicked out of heaven. And Satan becomes the chief over these other fallen angels, and they are now kind of a part of his goon squad or part of the the, the dark principalities that the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. And all of them, now they know that eventually they're going to die and end up in hell forever. They're going to be burning in hell forever. And so their goal is to try to tempt as many people as possible, to tempt humans to get them to come with them into hell. It's not like Satan's going to be the God over hell. Like I've heard people say that, like, I'd rather go to hell because that's where all the partying and the fun's going to be. No, it's not like that. Satan is going to be in the lake of fire, suffering in torment. So Lucifer gets kicked out of heaven. He is then referred to as Satan. The word Satan is actually a Hebrew word that literally means adversary or enemy. So Lucifer is now labeled as Satan because he is the, the enemy of God or the enemy of God's people. He is also referred to as the devil. The The word devil is a Greek word that means accuser or slanderer. And in the New Testament, he's referred to as the one that slanders or accuses the saints, the, the people of God. And Satan's entire goal has always been now, ever since his fall out of heaven, has been to take as many people with him to hell as possible. We know that he's got some power. Jesus in John 14 calls Satan, the prince of this world. It doesn't mean he's got dominion over it, that he's got more power than God. No, God is still sovereign and in control of planet earth. But Satan does indeed have some power. God has allowed him to have some power here on planet earth. But if you are a Christian, or if you are a follower of God, you don't have to be afraid of this at all because it's very clear in scripture that Satan is not allowed to attack the people of God without God's permission. We see this in the book of Job. It is God who determines what Satan can do and not do. It is God who determines how far Satan can go and not go. It would be like saying Satan is on a long leash and God is the one holding the leash. And so God could take out Satan. And he, we know that he will. Revelation chapter 20 makes it clear that he, there will come a day where God gets rid of the devil. But of course, today is not that day. So we live on planet Earth and we still face the attacks and the temptations of the enemy. But of course, we can remember that the power of God that is in us is much greater than the power of the devil. The Apostle John writes that, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
The Apostle John is just reminding us, listen, the devil may have some power, but the power of God, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and that's way greater. So we can be confident that we will be able to overcome the enemy when he attacks as long as we are relying upon the power that God has indwelled in us. That's kind of everything that's pertinent about the devil. If you want to kind of study a little bit more, you can go back to the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 19, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. You can also go back and read through Genesis chapter 3 and how he tempted Adam and Eve, as well as looking at Job chapter 1 and seeing how he's trying to negotiate with God for, for the attack upon Job. And I think some of those passages of scripture give us some insight into the character and nature of the devil. Obviously, you'll see there, there's not a lot of scripture that talks about the devil. And that's, I think, done on purpose by God. I think sometimes in our Christian circles, maybe we give the devil a little too much credit than what he actually deserves. A lot of times we sin and make mistakes because of the sin that's within us and our own sinful desires. James chapter 1 talks about that. And I think sometimes we think of things that are from the devil that really aren't. Like example, if you eat five Snickers bars and you have a stomachache, it's probably not the devil that attacked you. It was your own stupidity, right? And I know maybe that's a silly metaphor or silly illustration, but I'm just trying to point out, I think sometimes we give the devil too much credit and we're afraid of him. Now, we want to be sober-minded and understand that he does attack. First Peter 5 does say that the enemy roars around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. There is clearly an implication that he has the power to devour so he can attack and destroy if we are not careful. I think sometimes in some Christian circles, we sort of neglect the devil or we almost pretend like he doesn't exist, like he's not out there trying to destroy. But it's very clear in scripture, there is a devil and he is out to get you, that you are keen and aware of the fact that he is attacking and that you seek to live your life in such a way that you are not the one that he's able to devour. Jesus confirms that the enemy is seeking to attack us. He says this in John 10, 10, the, the thief comes to kill to steal, and to destroy. And it's imperative that we heed that warning and that we live our lives in such a way that we don't become victims of his attacks. If we are careful every day to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and to be diligent in our Christian walk, we can be confident that we will always overcome the power of the enemy in our lives. We don't have to be afraid of him at all. If you'd like some additional biblical advice on how to deal with the enemy and how to stand up against his attacks. The Apostle Paul does a phenomenal job of outlining the armor of God that, that is found in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. The Apostle Paul has some phenomenal insights there on how we can stand up against the attacks of the devil. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope it was helpful and insightful. Before I let you go, just want to give you a quick reminder please subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you are using. The more subscriptions we have, the higher up the search rankings we will be whenever people search terms like theology or God or Bible. So your subscription to the podcast really does help us out a lot. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Or you can visit our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. <laughs>